the very last thing that you would imagine would be for the Torah to say, Eile told us Yitzchak, who is the legacy of Yitzchak? Esav. Esav? Really? And yet, that's what the Midrash says. So we have to understand it, and in doing so, we'll analyze the difference between Yishmoel and his relationship with Avram Avinu, and Avram Avinu's avoider and how he impacted the world, compared to Yitzchak and his unique relationship with Esav, and how Yitzchak impacted the world, of course, with a great, great take-home lesson for us. Isabel Medrash, the Medrash tells us, when the parish begins by saying these are the descendants of Yitzchak, ve, the Vav means Moisi Falorishonim, that it's a continuation of what was mentioned previously. What was mentioned previously? What was mentioned previously at the end of Chayisora was some of the descendants of Yitzchak. And now who are the descendants of Yitzchak? Says the Medrash, who are the descendants of Yitzchak? Esav and Co, Esav and his children, because Esav was Yitzchak's son. In other words, the Medrash is telling us that the Medrash is saying that these words, these are the descendants of Yitzchak, refers to Esau. And at the same time, the Medrash tells us that Esau was a Russia like Yishmuel was. And in fact, according to the Medrash, that's why the, the word told us is written without the second Vav to exclude Yaakov Avinu because we shouldn't think that Yaakov is one of these Rishoyim. Now, but Tzorach Lohavinu, we really have to understand that. Now that we know that the Medrash associates to Esav, so the Medrash seems to be saying that when describing Yitzchak's descendants, the emphasis is placed on Esav, not on Yaakov, and that is a shocking thought. Aleph, number one, practically. Where in the parasha are you going to see evidence to this? Where in the parasha do we seem to give credibility to Esav over Yaakov? And more importantly, the main question, how could you possibly suggest that when the Torah, Torah's says the following are the descendants of Yitzchak, it really meant Esau and not Yaakov? Really? So the high level explanation is that Torah told us Yitzchak. That Toldois doesn't only tell us about Yitzchak's family, but more importantly about his avoida and the legacy of that avoida. So it tells us Toldoisov about his birth, that he moved to Gror, the fact that he dug wells, and the blessings he gave at the end of the parasha, first to Yaakov and then to Esau. Now, if this parasha looks to define and describe for us the unique avoid of Yitzchak, that means that there's something Yitzchak does which is different to Avram Avinu, which was described in the preceding parashas. Where do we see that? You know where you're going to detect the unique avoid of Yitzchak? The main defining difference between Yitzchak's avoida and Avram's avoida plays out in how they related to their respective wayward sons. Yitzchak's relationship with Esav, as we'll learn a little later in the Sicha, is completely different to Avram Avinu's relationship with Yishmuel. Because that's the main theme, that's why the parasha starts off by telling us which the Medrash identifies to mean that we're talking about Esav. 
Because listen, parasha, which is called Toldos, to represent the theme of the parasha. Where the Toldos is not just his physical progeny, but more importantly, his impact on the world. All of that will be determined and visible to us. It will all become apparent to us by observing Yitzchak's relationship with Esav. And so therefore, that's what we have to analyze. What is unique about how Yitzchak relates to Esav and why is it different to Avram and Yishmo? So let's first see where do we notice the difference. Once you start to examine the differences between the Avram Yishmol relationship and the Yitzchak Esav relationship, you'll find what appears to be a contradictory theme. On one hand, Yishmol seems much closer spiritually to Avram than Esav is to Yitzchak. How do we know that? Because Yishmuel did Shuva while Avram Avinu was still alive, which implies, Why did he do Shuva while Avram was alive? Must be Avram Avinu's Hashpa, influence on him. We have no evidence that Esav ever did Shuva, and not only that, the Gemara Soita tells us, Rashi quotes it in our parasha, that Esav was a troublemaker all the way, that when Yaakov Avinu passed away, Esav tried to uh, impede his burial in Marasa Machpelah. So there's no Shuva, and he fights till the better end, literally till the better end. So on the one hand, Yishmael appears spiritually closer to Avram than Esav is to Yitzchak. On the one hand, Ulam Yet on the other hand, he has something fascinating. Avram, Yosef, and different many Yishmael, as we know very well, the expression that we use is that Avram, Yishmael left him completely. That implies a disconnect, a, a distance, a spiritual separation. And therefore, Uli Yishmael, Loi Hoyo Din Yisrael, Yishmael is never considered Jewish. Which is why Yishmol could never inherit anything from Avram, even after he did Shuva. As the Pasuk clearly says in Sarah Imenu's voice, that this guy who is the son of a maidservant is not going to inherit together with my son Yitzchak. So Yishmol is completely disconnected from Avram Avinu. Mashenken Esav, by comparison, Esav Afal Pishagam Hu Yotzev and Nifred Mi Yitzchak. Yitzchak Yotzev, Imenu Esav, even though we use the same kind of expression, that Yitzchak Esav disconnected or left him. Still, still, according to many authorities, Esav had the halachic status of a renegade Jew, of a heretic Jew, but Jew. Vehoyo Yoresh. And he deserved an inheritance, as the Pasuk says, I did give a Yerusha to Esav. So you see this fascinating dichotomy. Yishmol appears closer to Avram Avinu to the point that he does Shuvah, which Esav doesn't. Yet Yishmol is not considered Jewish at all, whereas Esav is to a certain extent. Why is this? Perhaps he has a reason. The simplest reason why Yishmael is not considered Jewish and why Yishmael cannot inherit from Avram, from Avram, who are Yosef and Amo, is because his pedigree is wrong. He's a maidservant's child. And the halach is, that it's automatic if somebody is born to 
a maid servant or to a slave, as the Pasuk says, Such a person cannot share inheritance like a full-fledged son. He's not a child. He's pogum. He's blemished. He's disconnected from the, from the heritage. Whereas the obvious difference is Esav had a Jewish mother, Rivka. Surely that's the big difference. The problem is that when you go to the next story in history and you find that some of Yaakov Avinu's children were born to maidservants, and nevertheless all 12 of his children remained on the straight and narrow, dedicated to Hashem. Yaakov Avinu did not have a wayward son like either Avram or Yitzchak had. So move on, that tells us that prior to the giving of the Torah and the full-fledged halachic status of Yichos, it was still possible that somebody could be born to a maidservant like some of the Shvatim and nevertheless be considered Jewish and nevertheless be considered an heir. So in that case, we're back to square one. What is the fundamental difference between Yishmol and Esau? What did Esau have that qualified him to be considered halachically Jewish, unlike Yishmol? In spite of the fact that logic tells us it should have been the other way around, because Yishmol is the fellow who did Teshuvah and Esau didn't. So that tells us immediately that tells us immediately we have to explain how and why, but somehow Yishmoel's connection to Avram is not as deep as Esau's connection to Yitzchak. And the unique connection Esau has to Yitzchak does not rely on him having to first do Teshuvah in order to have that relationship. We need to understand it. So what is the connection between um, Yitzchak and Esau that is so unique? We'll look at the Targum Yonas and Benoziel about how Esau was buried. We know the story. He wanted to prevent Yaakov being buried and Chushim ben Don, uh, didn't understand what was going on and lobbed off his head and the head rolled into the Maris Machpelah and his head lands up in the cave. So where do we see the hint about the connection between Yitzchok and Esav? The Targum Benuzil tells us, Yonas Benuzil says, that the way it worked is that Esav's head rolled and therefore was buried by the heels of Yitzchok. Wow, is that a strange concept? Tells us you may not bury a person who is known to be a Russia next to a person who is known to be a Tzadik. You know what a big issue this is? Listen to the story. There was a time when the people of Moab were attacking, and so there was a funeral procession with a false Navi, and they tossed him into Elisha's grave. The Tanakh tells us that in order to prevent this Russia being side by side with Elisha, Hashem made a miracle. What miracle? The guy got up and walked out. Read the story in Melachim Beis and you'll see over there that he got up and he walked out so as not to be buried next to a tzaddik. If that's the way it is, that a Russia and a Tzaddik really, really should never be buried together. How did Hashem allow the circumstances to be such that Esav's head should be buried by Yitzchak's heel? Here's the 
especially when you consider Rabbi Yonason ben Uziel, when he says this description, Dafka in their conversation reminds us that Esav is a Russia. How do they get together? Now, Birba's explanation is fascinating. The fact that Esav was a Russia is the reality of how Esav lived in the physical form. As a human, physical human, he was totally off the rails. Ah, mitzad reishay. But when you look at Esau from a higher perspective, so to speak, looking into his head, meaning, When you look at Esau in his pristine form, not in his physical form, especially when his head's been decapitated, so now it's disconnected from that physical form, ain't no Russia. Esau is not a Russia. Can you believe that? Not only is Esau not a Russia, Esau has some meaningful connection to Yitzchak, which is why his disconnected, decapitated head belongs next to Yitzchak more than it belongs by his own body. Similar theme is the way we understand the Satan. When I analyze the spiritual root from where the Satan originates, then as the Gemara says, that the Satan, like Penina, who was the co-wife of Hannah, the father, the mother of Shmuel Navi, who constantly agitated Hannah, but it was Lashem Shemaim, she wanted her to daven properly for a child. So Satan also agitates us, but it's Lashem Shemaim to get us to have greater connection to Hashem. That's how it is in its Shoresh. But what does the Satan look like in real life, in our experience? Absolute poison. Don't go near there. To the extent that the Satan found ways to be able to destroy the base Hamikdash, completely antithetical to what Hashem wants. So that's what happens. You have things that in their spiritual root are healthy, but they evolve into a state that is completely sick. When you look at Esav at the moment of conception, when Yitzchak conceives a child, you look at where is the root that Esav comes from, he's actually positive. It's just unfortunate that through the evolutionary process of this pristine spiritual being translating and de- 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 deteriorating into the body of Esav, the Russia, complete Russia, then even whatever spark of holiness he may have had from the perspective of his neshama cannot shine out. Like the expression goes, that the light of the Russia extinguishes, it, 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 it dims, goes out. So what do we see? Esau has this incredible point of origin which is holy, and then of course he loses his way completely. This is the big difference between Esau and Yishmael. The fact is that both Yishmol and, and Esav are both descendants of great people, Avram and Yitzchak, respectively. No matter how far they may go, somewhere inside of them, the potential and the power of their respective fathers remains. It cannot be undone. 
especially when you consider that we're talking over here about tzaddikim who are similar to their creator. And if they build something like Moshe Rabbeinu builds the Mishkan, and now it's Moshe Nitzchim, the, the Mishkan is eternal. So, how much more so must their input into their descendants be eternal? In others, what, what are we saying? That means Yishmael will always have a spark of Avram's holy input, and Esav will always have a spark of Yitzchak's holy input. Avol. But Yishmael is not living with Avram. He's living out there, Pere Adam, doing whatever, Yod Bakol, attacking people in the fields. Esav is Ishsode, Ishjadeh He's behaving, they're far away from the source. So whatever impact their respective fathers have on them, it's their impact as translated into their, so to speak, disconnected realities. What does that mean? So we have to understand Avram and Yitzchak and how they operate in order to understand how their impact will continue to influence or not influence their children. So what's going to make Esau and Yishmael look different is that there's different types of input from their respected fathers into their lives. The way Avram Avinu continuously impacted Yishmael is to the point that he eventually did tshuva. But on the other hand, that Yishmael did tshuva without actually fundamentally changing, and he still remains Yishmael ben Ho'amo. He does tshuva, but he still doesn't have a meaningful connection to his own father. As opposed to Esau. You look at Esau, the way Esau presents in a human form, he is far worse than Yishmael. That's why he never does tshuva, because he's too far gone. And nevertheless, we call Mokim, Despite that mitzad when you still analyze the root source that it comes from, the so-called head that has been disconnected from the body, he still has a connection at least to Yitzchak's lowest level is healed. Why is this? To understand this, we're going to observe a concept in halacha where there are two possible perspectives of how something plays out, a particular halacha, the halacha of shlichus. And based on that, we'll understand this principle. We'll understand the connection that Yishmael has to Avram and the connection Esav has to Yitzchak. We'll understand it based on the two possible ways in which we can understand how shlichus operates. Okay, so shlichus is, I appoint you, please be my proxy, go do X and Y for me. Now, what has happened at this point in time? So Hezbollah, I'll do one possibility is, You are you, I am I, we are not the same person. But Halacha allows me the possibility to appoint you as my proxy. Therefore, The Torah now allows you to do an action which will be attributed to me. You are you, I am I, your action is attributed to me, halachically. That's possibility one. Another possibility. If I appoint you as my agent, you become me. 
in that action, in that period of time, you are me. So naturally, obviously, whatever you do is attributed to me. So we're going to pick up a similar kind of distinction between Yishmol and Esav, which has to do with a different kind of avoider of Avram and Yitzchak. There are obviously various differences between how they served Hashem. We're going to follow, we're going to focus on one of them. Uh, one, a pretty obvious one, by the way. One of the big differences between how Avram and Yitzchak respectively behaved. Avram Avinu's job was bring down holiness to become noticed and perceived in this world. Whereas Yitzchak did the almost exact opposite. His avoid is lift the world, to refine the world so that you could elevate it in a direction towards Hashem. Okay, so Abraham Avinu brings Hashem into the world and Yitzchak tries to lift the world to meet Hashem. You can actually see this very clearly in how they behaved. Avraham Avinu was on a mission to create awareness of Hashem in the minds of the simplest, most distant people. Even the Arabs of the time who bowed to the dust of their own feet, which shows you a tremendous sense of lowliness, Avraham Avinu wanted to ensure that even they would become aware of Hashem's greatness. But Yitzchak, like we see in this week's parasha, his big thing was digging wells. What's digging wells? To remove the stone, the sand, the, the, the rocks, the trees, whatever's in the way of the water that is already naturally beneath the surface, and to bring it to the top. Which translates spiritually into removing the earthiness, the materialism of the created reality. Remove all the schmutz so as to expose the holy, godly spark that lives at the core of every single thing. Right? So you dig and dig and dig and the water comes flowing to the surface. Same thing, you dig and dig and dig and the holiness flows to the surface. So Avraham Avinu brings consciousness of Hashem to the world and Yitzchak digs in the world till it discovers its own connection. Each one of their approaches has an advantage that the other one lacks. If you introduce godliness from on high into the world, you inject godliness into the world. So what's the advantage? The advantage is you've got Hashem entering the world, so to speak, on His terms. The disadvantage is nothing in the lower world actually changes. Let's look at our examples. When you have an Arab who bows down to the dust of his feet, suddenly saying, oh, I acknowledge God, it's not his personal work that he did. 
It's not something he could personally relate to. It's Avram Avinu's cheerleading. Avram Avinu led them in what they should say. He coaxed this announcement out of them. No, acknowledge Hashem. Okay, how do we do it? This is what you got to say. And therefore, even when the Arab community gets up and makes this big announcement, Hashem Hoidakim, it's Avram Avinu's achievement, not theirs. They haven't owned it yet. So therefore, even after Avram is successful and everybody acknowledges Hashem, they hadn't been upgraded as people. They were still stuck in their lowly reality. They were the same people, the same Arabs they were before. So Avram Avinu superimposes holiness onto the world, but the world does not fundamentally change. Whereas what Yitzchak achieves, which is lifting from the bottom up, his impact is that whatever shift happens, whatever awareness and consciousness of Hashem happens, is not because it was fed to us, it's because we shifted. Yitzchak's pu'ula is that me, the lowly human, I shift, I lift, I move myself, and therefore I'm in a position to receive from Hashem. But derech afiras be'eros, it's like digging a well. Digging a well is not to create a pool and then import water to pour into the pool, superimpose fresh water from elsewhere. Digging the well is to show you you thought that this was just dirt, but there's actually water beneath, and I'll find you that water. So Avraham Avinu imports Maim Chaim. Yitzchak shows you that you have Maim Chaim inside of yourself. Yet on the other hand, what we've just described illustrates why it's better to go Yitzchak's route. Why? Because when you go Yitzchak's route, there's real movement, there's real shift, there's real change, there's real growth. But there's still an advantage to Avram's method. Why? The advantage is that the lower element doesn't have to change before it can receive godliness. It stays where it is, and the godliness reaches all the way to that lowly place. Even though it's very lowly, it's still now absorbing elikos. Like Avraham Avinu did. He says, you don't have to change. You don't have to convert. You could be who you are and still acknowledge Hashem. Whereas if you're taking Yitzchak's approach and you're trying to lift the world from the bottom up and you need people to move and you need the world to shift. In Yitzchak's method, the only way you become open and susceptible to receive godliness is once you change. But as long as you're still in your lowly place, sorry, I cannot help you. You have to shift. So, the mile of Yitzchak is that you shift. The mile of Avram is that we can bring Elikos all the way to where you are. 
home delivery. And that explains the two different parts of Avram and Yitzchak and how they served Hashem. Avram, Yotzim, Eretz Yisov, V'yorad, Lemitzrayim, Lemitzorim, Ugvulim, Dechutz, Loretz, V'hirgames, Chutz, Loretz. Avram, I mean, he traveled to places that were outside of Eretz Yisrael and even antithetical to Eretz Yisrael, like Egypt. And he brought light to those places. Whereas Yitzchak was never allowed to leave um, to, to leave Eretz Yisrael, as we'll learn in next week's Sicha. Which means to say that Yitzchak can only work in an environment that is already somewhat elevated. But he can't reach a place that is so lonely, so disconnected, so unspiritual, like the outside of it, uh, the lands outside of Eretz Yisrael. Because as far as he is concerned, in his experience, the, the outside world has no relationship or no potential relationship with Kedusha. So now you see it clearly. Avram Avinu's is bring the Lekus into the world, even into the lowest part of the world. Yitzchak's avoiders lift the world, even if that means that certain parts of the world are never going to be touched by the kus, because they have to first be lifted. Those are the two approaches. And that will speak directly to how Yishmol and Esav land up being so different. Because of the two different approaches and avoiders, that's why you have two different, totally different kinds of uh, children. Because Avraham Aminu's whole approach is bring Elikus into the lowest of the low. So Yishmol is still the lowest of the low. He's still a maidservant. Shaf Yotzel Tabrus Roy is mixing in the wrong company. Avraham Aminu can touch Yishmol even in such a derelict spiritual place and he can get into Duchuva. And that's why the very fact that Avram Avinu in the first place married a maidservant, that doesn't contradict his avoid. To the contrary, that actually speaks the, the language of Avram Avinu's avoid. There is such a person who is so lowly, like a maidservant. And I am able to bring Kedusha to her. And through her, through her to her descendants, his descendants. Avraham Avinu is not naive. He knows how lowly Yishmoel is. But Avraham Avinu also knows that the nature of his avoider is to work with the lowly person and daven on their behalf. Even Yishmoel, Yishmoel, as Yishmoel should be able to live, so to speak, before you. But because Avram Avinu's approach is you import the water, you keep the flow, you superimpose the godliness on the reality of the lowly part of the world. So it only lasts as long as Avram is dynamic. And as it says at the end of the parasha, that after Avram Avinu passed away, Yishmoel fell. Meaning to say he doesn't have that spiritual energy pumping into him, so he can't sustain himself. Therefore, as a result of that, Yishmol never rises. He's never upgraded, and certainly not to the level of Avram Avinu. If you look at Yishmol objectively, he's left the room. He's moved on. Which is why he can never inherit from Avram Avinu, because he's moved on. He has no connection. 
Only when he was plugged in, only when Avram Avinu was pumping energy into him, did he have a prospect of teshuva. Once that's over, he's nobody. Particularly when you consider that there's a, a, an explanation in Halacha that the person who is the heir to something completely replaces the one that he inherits from, that could never happen with Yishmol and Avram because they just don't have that connection. But for Yitzchak, that would never have been sufficient. Okay, so Yishmol is going to be blasted with energy. Yitzchak says, I need Yishmol to change. Or in his case, Esav, because that's the one he's influencing. So not only does Yitzchak have a direct influence on Esav, but because Esav is his son, Esav inherits some of his energy, the energy to what? To lift the lowly world. That's why Yitzchak, when he battled, he and Rivka battled infertility, never entered his mind to marry a maidservant. Because then that would produce an individual who would be a child of a maidservant, who would be at such a lowly level. Yitzchak doesn't deal with lowly levels. You've got to lift your game if you want to have anything to do with Yitzchak. And that's why Esau, in spite of all of his toxic behavior, is still considered Jewish, albeit a Jewish renegade, and theoretically could be an heir. But that's not the whole of Esav. What part of Esav is connected? The highest part of Esav. The so-called head. And it's the decapitated head because that represents the pristine point of origin of Esav as opposed to the real life Esav. But when... Uh, Esav's head remains connected to his body, to his physical lowly reality. Meaning when he's down on earth, then he's as far as you could possibly go. He doesn't even know how to begin to do tshuva. Which is why in Hasidus we're told that the klippa represented by Esav is a worse clipper than that represented by Yishmael. Parenthetically, we need to know that Avram and Yitzchak are obviously very diverse kinds of avoider, each of which laid the groundwork and prepared for Yaakov Avinu to come along, that he had both elements to him. He had the, adva- the advantage of Avram and the advantage of Yitzchak. How so? Because look, Yaakov Shovavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavavav
Because Yaakov Avinu has this amazing capacity to be able to take even the children of Shvatim, which Avram could only inspire and Yitzchak could never touch. And Yaakov could take them and elevate them to become not just part of the family, but Shiftei Kar, the ultimate Shvatim that represent what Jewish people are supposed to be. Based on this, we can now understand why a big chunk of this parasha, which as we've already dis- discussed in this medrash, is themed around Esau. Big chunk of the parasha is about how Yitzchak prepared to give the brachas in his mind to Esau and how the brachas came out in practice. Guess what? It's the same theme. Here too you see the expression of, of Yitzchak's unique avoida and specifically vis-a-vis One of the most perplexing things you have to wonder is why did Yitzchak want to bless Esav knowing who he was? It's because he had the capacity with his mouth not to fool his father, but to actually say, so to speak, the right things. You know, there's a part of him that speaks the right language. Which means that somewhere inside Esau, at a very high, deep level, there are these incredible sparks of holiness, some of which came out in practice. Some very great personalities who are descendants of Esau. Seeing as we know that Yitzchak's primary avoida is to dig wells, which we've now explained, means to expose the innate holiness within every part of the world, as this parasha tells us. Because his whole job is to mine the world for its resources, Therefore, what Yitzchak wanted to achieve was to give these brochas to Esav, and through that, to be able to mine and dig and extract the holy, healthy waters that live even inside Esav. If you're looking at Esav through Yitzchak's eyes, you see the Esav who deserves this. But the reality of Esav in real life is that he's too far gone and he does not deserve these brachas. And that's why the practical way that the story play, played out was that Yaakov should get the brachas because actually only Yaakov is the one who could turn Esav around. Now that's Esav we're talking about. What a simple and powerful lesson for us. If Esav, who was a complete Russia and lived before the Torah, because the Torah obviously rescues you to a certain extent. Can you imagine if Esav could still have the title Yisrael associated with him? Yes, of course, with the subtitle Mumar that he's a heretic and a renegade, but still Yisrael. And if Yitzchak Avinu still tried to dig deeply enough to expose to Esav his true essence, how much more so when we deal with Jewish people today after the giving of the Torah. After Hashem made the, the proclamation at Har Sinai, 
I am Elokecha, your koyach, your capacity, your ability, completely accessible to you. No matter who you are, no matter your level. And especially when you consider that those Jews who are not as they should be, there's no question about it, that they are exponentially better off than Esav was. The worst, so to speak, Jew today is far better than Esav was. Especially when you consider that 99% of those people who are, so to speak, off the path are there because they don't know any better. If Yitzchak was willing to put in so much effort, even take chances for Esav, how much more do we have to sacrifice and dedicate ourselves to bring every Jew back and close to Torah? No matter how far they may appear to be, our job is to dig and dig as deeply as we can until such time that we find the living waters that are guaranteed to be at the, at the core of every single Jewish person. You just have to be careful, of course, when you reach out to people with all of the excitement and, and passion. You've got to follow what the Mishnah tells us in Pirkei. You have to love every person and bring them close to the Torah. Which means, you have to bring the so-called creatures towards the Torah and never compromise the Torah so being more palatable in your estimation for the people. Sorry. We dare not compromise anything of Torah mitzvahs. Even if you imagine that that's somehow going to bring them closer, forget about it. We don't compromise. Never changes, never diminishes, never increases. And therefore, it's out of the question. On the one hand, you have to go with everything you've got to help a Jew discover the spark within themselves. But you're never allowed to compromise one iota of Torah in order to, in your belief, achieve that. Rashi alludes to this at the beginning of the parasha when he says, What does it mean? Yaakov and Esav as listed in the parasha, meaning, What's Rashi telling us? Which Esav can be attributed to Yitzchak's legacy and dynasty? Esav as he is in his pristine form, described and identified which means when Yaakov, using the tools and guidance of Torah, is succeed, successful in elevating Esav. So how do you do this? The answer, the advice is When you look at another person, look at their source, look at their head, look at the highest element of who they are. That way you won't notice their lowly spiritual state. All you will identify with is their deep internal greatness which would be the reason why this Yid, who you think is so whatever, is completely dedicated to doing Torah. You just got to dig a little bit more. 
And when you recognize that, you'll do everything in your power to draw that yid close to Torah. And through that, bring us all together and bring Moshiach now.